your Bibles to Romans, the sixth chapter. Romans, the sixth chapter. How many of you, if you're like me, you've gone around in circles in your life? Go around in circles, round in circles. And years come and years go, and you just seem like you're circling the same mountain. Has anybody ever done that besides me? And, and how many of you decades can come and go? And it's like you're circling the same mountain, going around the same thing again and again and again. I know I've done that. And uh, at last you just get tired of it. But you know, and something I've learned, that until you get tired enough of going around that same mountain... You're going to just keep going around that mountain. And and I've learned this, that God doesn't just come down and just break you out of that cycle. Now, he's, he's given us the ability to break out of that cycle, but we've got to do some things. Is that, is that right? We, if we want things to be different in our life, we're going to have to make some changes, do some things. If, you know, if we've always, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always be what you've always been. Is that right? And, and I think as Christians, we, we just expect God to do all these abracadabra things for us and break us out of these cycles that we get into. And, and he's not going to do that. He's done all for us that he's going to do along the lines of breaking that cycle of going around the mountain. He's given us ability and power to break that cycle. But we've got to just get tired of, hey, I'm tired of circling these these old mountains and going around these same old things year after year, decade after decade. I'm going to step up. I'm going to do something. I'm going to change some things. And the Lord will empower me to come out and we'll go forward and go on. You okay? You understand that? And, And the thing that binds us up, notice here in Romans 6.23, it says the wages of sin is death. Well, that's, you know, that's it's kind of gloomy there. But I don't like to stop halfway through a verse. Let's read on. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. How many of you like the second part of that verse better than the first? And, and, and so, you know, we, we certainly want to center in on the, the gift of God and is eternal life and, and the victory. But you do need to realize that the wages of sin is what? It is, it is death. And you need to realize that the thing that keeps us circling that same mountain, going around that same mountain, fighting these same battles over and over again, the thing that lay at the root of that, for the most part, almost every single time, it's sin. It's sin. It's something that Folks don't like talking much about, I know I don't like talking much about it, but I believe the Lord wants me to talk about it for the next couple of Sundays, because it's sin that lays at the root of what keeps us from breaking out of those old cycles that, that, that we have, and moving on and being all for God that He wants us to be. Now, of course, what is sin? What is it? You know, a lot of folks don't even know what it really is. If you really look into the, 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 you know, the Greek word, it's harmartia, harmartia. And what it really means is a missing of the mark. A missing of the mark. That's what sin really is, is just missing the mark. How many of you have, you have ever missed the mark besides me? You just, you've missed the mark. You've missed it. Did you know that you can miss the mark just a little bit and it can really cost you? Uh, how many of you back in the days when you used to tune the radios? How many of you remember when you used to tune the radio with, you know, now it's all digital. But back years ago, there used to be a little dial and you'd tune it. And, uh, you know, if you were just a little bit off, just to miss the mark of just a little bit, there'd be some static coming in on the radio. Remember that? But if you tune that thing, just, just get it just right, then everything would be clear, clear and come through just wonderfully. And, and that's what sin, that's what sin really is. It's a missing the mark. It's just not being tuned in properly to the Lord. And, uh, so, so, I want to point some things out to you as we go along in this in this series. We're titling it titling it "Missing the Mark," 
And uh, as long as we miss the mark, things aren't going to go for us as, as they should. We're going to go around that same old mountain. But, but I tell you what, God has empowered us and has made it available for us not to miss the mark and to walk in the fullness that he has for us. Now, if you would, in John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, in the King James Version, and they'll have this on the screen, it says, the Bible says, whoever commits sin, so, well, what is sin? Well, it's to miss the mark. But here the Bible gives us a, 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 a definition here in a verse of Scripture. Whoever commits sin transgresses the law, for sin is, and that's going to tell us what sin is. Sin is the transgression of the law. I'll put it in my own words. Sin is simply, it's, it's missing the mark, but sin is simply breaking God's rules. Breaking God's rules. Breaking God's commands. Now I had to learn this years ago. God has rules not to put us in bondage, but he has rules so that we can walk in liberty and freedom. Now, a lot of times people think that, you know, uh, folks don't like rules and regulations, you know. Most people don't. But I've learned this about the Lord. When he puts rules and regulations down, it's not to put us in bondage, but it's so that we can walk in freedom and liberty. And when you break those rules, that's what sin is. Missing the mark, breaking the rules of God. And when you miss out, miss those things and mess up, then you're, you're, you're breaking his rules, you're missing the mark, and what's the wages ultimately for missing the mark? The wages of sin is what? Is death. Is death. And, you know, when you think death, you think of somebody laying in a casket, and certainly that's, that's true. But, you know, there's other forms of death in your life besides ultimately laying in the casket. Is that right? I mean, sin will produce darkness, depression, just horrible things in your life. And, and, and we don't want that for anybody. God doesn't want that for anybody. So sin is missing the mark, transgressing the law, breaking the rules. Now, look here in 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 in the Amplified Bible. They're going to have this on the screen, the Amplified. Because you need to understand something about breaking the rules. Now, notice this. 1 John 3, verse 4, Amplified. Everyone who commits... But what's that next word? Practices. Everyone who commits practices sin is guilty of lawlessness, for that is what sin is, lawlessness, the breaking, violating of God's law. Now, let's stop right there. Did you know there's a difference between goofing up and practicing something? There's a difference. Uh, there's a difference between blundering. Has anybody ever blundered in here and you just goofed up? You didn't mean to do it, but you just, you just goofed up. You just you broke the rules. You, you messed up. Has anybody ever done that? Just... Did you know there's a difference between that and on purpose, all the time as a part of your lifestyle, breaking the rules? There's a difference. And God, God notes that. Uh, it's one thing that you're... Have you ever been driving down a road and the speed limit's 55 and you notice your foot got a little heavy and you know, it's, you're going 65, 70? You didn't mean to do it. It was, it was, you blundered. Is that right? But, but there's a difference between that and just on purpose all the time, full well knowing what you're doing, driving 75, 80 miles an hour in a 55 zone. There's a difference between a blunder and then practicing. And, and you need to realize that. And, uh, it's one thing to mess up and blunder, but it's another thing to practice something over and over again. Um, now notice, everyone who commits, practices sin is guilty of lawlessness, for that's what, what sin is. Lawlessness, br- the breaking, violating of God's law. Now here's something else you need to know about sin. Missing the mark. Violating of God's law, that's what sin is, by transgression or neglect. Being unrestrained and unregulated by what his command, by what, by his commands and his will. But here's what I want you to center in on. Violating of God's law by transgression or neglect. Now, I'll put it in my own words. There's a breaking of the rules of God on purpose. And then there's also just neglecting something. Um, 
How many of you, you've ever done something, you knew, you're, you knew it was wrong, but you went ahead and did it anyway? Am I the only one that'll admit to that? Okay. Uh, how many of you, you, you know that you ought to be doing something, but you neglect to do it? You just kind of neglect it. Did you know God sees that as sin? As well as when you do something on purpose. There's sins of, I, I say it this way, there's sins of commission and there's sins of omission. In other words, when you do something on purpose, you just do it, you break the rules, that's sin. But if, if there's something over here you know you should do and you neglect to do it, that neglect is also uh, uh, sinful. The Bible says, and, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but the Bible says... And let's go to James 4, verse 17. James 4, verse 17. Let's look at this. To him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is what? So if you know to do good and you don't do it, to to that person it's what? It's sin. It's sin. Now, let me ask you this. We'll say more about that in a minute. Which sin is the worst? Which sin is worse? Look at James 2 verse 10. Because this is something that always comes up. Which sin is the worst? Now usually, when preachers talk about sin from the pulpit, usually, a lot of times, they'll get on sexual sin. Is that right? No. And how many of you know sexual sin, that, that's bad? Is that right? Is, is that right? You going to talk to me or not? Okay. Okay. I'm talking to you, you talk back to me, all right? Things will go better. All right. So, but, but is that true? I mean, haven't you ever noticed that, and, and I've been guilty of this as a minister, you know, pounding the pulpit on certain things. And, and, but you know, which sin is the worst? Look at this, James 2 verse 10. It says, for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point is What? Is guilty of all. Is that pretty clear? So I, you know, I just think we make a mistake, and I've had to learn this, and I've had to repent and change of this as a minister over the years. You know, we'll we'll, we'll harp on one sin and we'll beat people over the head for you know like drunkenness. But did you know? We'll get to it in a minute. Gluttony's a sin too. Did you know that? How many of you did you know that? And you'll you'll, you'll have preachers weigh six hundred pounds, standing in a pulpit, beating a pulpit. Saying, you know, coming against drunkenness, but they weigh 600 pounds. Now there's something wrong there, isn't there? Which sin is the worst? Well, the Bible said that if, if you keep the whole law, you keep all of God's rules and you yet stumble or you mess up in one point, you're guilty of what? So you need to keep that in mind. Let's don't categorize and say, well, you know, and, and, and what I'm trying to say is let's don't just pick on certain ones, certain sins. Let's realize that none of them are good. Is that right? Say none of them are good. Yeah, none of them are good. And uh, because a lot of times folks, you know, you, you, you'll, you'll, you can beat people up for being, being a drunkard, but yet the person that's beating the drunk up is weighs 600 pounds. There's something wrong there, isn't there? Okay, so set all that to get to this. Look at Psalm 66, 18. Just kind of giving you an introduction here today. And Look at this, Psalm 66, 18. Now, here's a severe effect of sin, and this is really why I feel the Lord wants me to, to spend a couple of Sundays on this topic. Look at Psalm 66, 18. 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not what? The Lord will not what? He won't hear. Did you know that if you have sin in your life and you're practicing it? Now, I'm not talking about blundering, just messing up. But he said, if I regard iniquity, that word regard indicates that here you have a person that's going to, Continue to practice sin. 
They're going to, they, they know what they're doing is wrong, but they're going to continue to practice it. If I regard iniquity, not talking about somebody that just blunders or messes up, but somebody that they know there's some things in their life that shouldn't be there, but they, they, they let them there. They continue to break the rules on purpose, knowing what they're doing, you know, all of that. He says right here, the psalmist says, if I regard iniquity or sin, if I, if I, if I, if I practice it, if I keep it in my life, if I regard it in my heart, what's it going to do? It's going to cause the Lord not to listen to you when you pray. Is that right? Is that what the Bible said? Now, I'm convinced that there's Christians that have things in their life and they're there. They know they shouldn't be there. How many of you, if you're truly saved, you're truly Christian, when you mess up, there's something on the inside that, that it, it, it's the spirit of God on the inside. He's in there. When you me- Have you ever messed up? And when you messed up, you, oh, you grieved? How many has that happened to any? Now, if that's not happening to you, you need to check up and see if you're really born again. See if you're really saved. Because if you're really saved, when you mess up on the inside, it's going to grieve the Holy Spirit. And, oh, there's going to be the, oh. How many has ever experienced that besides me? Oh. Okay, well, if you continue, if you... Disregard that, uh, and you just keep right on sinning, right on missing it. You're going to keep right on circling that mountain, and 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 the Lord's not going to hear you. You're not going to get your prayers answered, and you're never going to be able to break out of that the doldrums that you've been in. And uh, and that's why the Lord wants me to 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 point some of these things out that we're going to be talking about over the next weeks. Is that if you regard sin in your heart, it's going to affect you and it's going to keep you circling the, the same old mountain. Now look at Hebrews 12.1 and then I'm going to talk about some things that's going to get right down to where we live every day. And that's what we're going to do is just some practical things that people deal with in their lives every day. A lot of people do, most people do, and we're going to talk about some of these things. Now, first of all, though, I want to, I got to get this scripture through to you. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every what? Every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. See, that's what sin will do. It'll ensnare you and keep you circling the same old troubled mountain. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. See, it's time, guys. Listen, it's time for us to to stop. It's time for us to stop circling this same old mountain for years and years and decades and decades. I'm tired of circling the mountain. How about you? I tell you, I want to break out and I want to just go on. I want to go on with God. Did you hear what I just said? I want to go on with God. I realized in my own life, I had to stop, I had, I've been circling the mountain on some things, and I just have to just say, enough's enough, you, you break out of that thing, and you say, I'm gonna take what power God has given and made available to me, and I'm gonna make some changes, and move on, and I've done that in some areas, and I tell you what, things have already started to be, started to be, it's going better for me. Can you say amen? Glory to God. But notice there's sins. What is sin? It's to miss the mark. It's to break God's rules. But did you know that there's sins, but the Bible also talked about some weights here. Do you see that? It said right here, we're surrounded so great. Let us lay aside every, realize, say, weight. Did you know there's some things that are, that are not sin, but they're weights, and they can weigh you down? Did you know that? And that's another reason God has me on this, is that to point out not only some things maybe in your life that's sinful, but also there's some things that can be in your life that aren't sinful, but yet they're weights and they can weigh you down and keep you from being all that God wants you to be. So we want to talk about that as we go on these next uh, several weeks. Now, let's, let's, let's get down to where we all live here. Now, this is what God wants me to get on. Things that are sinful or weights other than what we typically think. Now this is going to get real practical over the next couple of weeks. I just needed to give you all those scriptures and they're very good. But to set this up. Things that are sin other than what we typically think. Now when you think of sin, if you're like me, I think of adultery. Would that qualify for sin? 
or fornication, you know, sexual, you know, having sex, a man and a woman, not being married or, or having sex, you know, a man, a, a married person having sex with somebody they're not married to or homosexuality. Now, now, you know, I have to be honest with you. The Bible says homosexuality is sin. Okay. That's what the Bible says. That's what I believe. But did you know that homosexuals can be attacked from pulpits and, uh, yet the, uh, preacher that's attacking them, uh, maybe they're in an adulterous affair with their secretary. Now there's something wrong with that, isn't there? Huh? So which sin is worse? Well, if you mess up in one, you're guilty of? So let's remember that before we beat people up. And I tell you what, I, I tell you, you can't beat what Jesus did when they brought that woman to him taken in adultery. Remember? Remember what he said? He among you that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. I learned a long time ago, I, I got rid of all my rocks. I Because they all dropped their rocks and left. Is that right? I don't want to throw rocks at anybody. I tell you what, I got enough dirt under my own mat to keep clean. You understand? Then try to, do you understand? Okay. So we're not here to put people down. We're here to help people. Remember what Jesus said? He, he said, uh, he said, neither. Now listen to what he said to that woman in adultery. He said, neither do I condemn you. But then what did he say? Go and sin no more. So as a preacher, that's what I have to say. I, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. But when you think of sin, you think adultery, fornication, homosexuality, drunkenness. Remember that one. Drunkenness, losing your temper and cursing. Has anybody ever done that? How many has ever lost their temper? I won't ask you if you've cursed. What about lying, cheating, stealing, you know? Well, we think of that. But let's talk about some other things that are sin that we don't normally think about. What about fear and worry? Luke 12, 32. Jesus said, do not fear little flock. Do not fear little flock. Well, we're part of his flock, aren't we? Now, you think of sin, you, you don't normally hear worry or, 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 or fear. We'll talk about worry in a minute. You normally don't hear fear come up. I can't remember really ever hearing a, a preacher stand in a pulpit and talk about fear as being a sin. But did you know fear is a sin? Now, I didn't say it was sinful to feel afraid. How many has ever felt afraid? But if you're going to continue to be fearful, then it becomes a sin. The Lord has said in the word, somebody studied out once said 365 times he found one for every day of the year. Fear not. Don't be afraid. So if the Lord's told us not to fear and we do, are we missing the mark? And is it sin? Yes, it is. Fear. And, and, and let's couple worry in with that because worry is a manifestation of fear. Don't ever forget that if you're taking notes, you want to write that down. Worry is a manifestation of fear. How many's ever worried besides me? I just said not long ago, I just said in, in the, in, I said to somebody, I said, I'm a worry wart. When I said it on the inside, Ugh, I shouldn't have said that. I just admitted to wrongdoing, didn't I? How many, we, we're not, we shouldn't be worry wart, should we? Amen. To worry, look right here at Matthew 6.34. How many of you really want to get out of, out of the circle on the mountain? How many of you really want to get out of that? Well, you better listen over the next weeks because we're going to, these are some of the things that are keeping us from being all we can be for the Lord. Look at this, Matthew 6.34. Jesus said, do not what? Do not what? Do not worry. Real loud say worry. Did he say to do it or not to do it? He said don't worry about tomorrow. He didn't say that we shouldn't plan for tomorrow. He said we shouldn't what? Worry about tomorrow. Now, 
my wife, she lives with me. She'll tell you that I, I struggle in this area of worry and, and, and fearful. And, and, you know, when we do this, this is sin. You know, you're not going to hear this from many pulpits because most pulpits are going to talk about fornication and adultery and all that and drunkenness being sin, and it is. But these are some things, guys and gals, I'm telling you, these are some things that need to be addressed that's keeping us all from being all that we can be for the Lord. Because as long as you have fear, I didn't say it was wrong to feel afraid. It's wrong to be fearful on an ongoing, regular basis. If you are, it's keeping you from being all you can be for the Lord. It's sin, and if you got sin in your life, the Lord will not hear you. Didn't the Bible say that? Now, you can understand, like, in my life, fear and worry, I was raised... Now, my mom, my dad died when I was seven years old, and my mom did a real good job raising me. I, she did a great job. But you have to understand that in our household, it was just me and my mom, she... I, I mean, it was... It was it, we were afraid of everything. Afraid of everything. Afraid of everything. And worry, I'm going to tell you what, worry was just, was the atmosphere of our house. Now, in fairness to my mom, if you go back and look at her, her mom, now I didn't know my grandpa, he died before I was born, but my grandma, we called her Oak Grammy. You know why we called her Oak Grammy? Because she was from Oakville, you know. We called her Oak Grammy. But she was far worse than my mom at fear and worry. And so my mom got it from her. Did you know you can pass things down to your children? You need to break some cycles now before you pass it down to your children. Did you hear what I just said? And my mom, now my mom was afraid of everything, worried about everything. If the phone rang, it's got to be bad news. How many of you know it doesn't have to be bad news? Is that right? Maybe somebody's call, maybe your boss is calling you up, wants to give you a raise. Why do we, all, why do we always think that worst and the negative? Because this, this, this world in which we live, did you ever figure this out? It's negative, isn't it? It's negative and, but, but I was raised in an atmosphere of fear and worry and, uh, I, and my mom, God bless her, she was afraid of everything. There's one thing she wasn't afraid of. She was never afraid of anybody breaking into the house though. Now, it was an old farmhouse, and we didn't have locks on the windows. And in the summertime, uh, we had screens on the windows. Now, in the wintertime, we'd put up the storm windows, and I'd always want to hammer those nails in, because we put them up with nails, and we'd nail them in. And, and, uh, uh, and so in the summertime, I, uh, wintertime, I felt a little safer, because we had the storm windows up. But in the... Uh, in the summertime, we'd just have screens in the windows. And, and they were the kind where you'd lift up the window and you'd put the screen and set the window down. And then, and then there was no gap between the two windows when the screens were in. And then the bugs would all come in when you have the lights on, you know. Well, we won't talk about that. But you could get in, you could get in that house. It'd been the easiest thing in the world to get in that house. And, and, and my mom, she was afraid of everything except somebody getting in the house. We had a screen door. And the screen door, do you know the only lock on our screen door was a hook? It was a hook. And all you had to do to break that lock was take a matchbook and open it up. You could slide the matchbook in and pop the, pop the, pop the hook and come right in. Now, my mother was never afraid of anybody breaking in. I told mama one time, I said, mama, I said, somebody's going to get in here and get us. She took, she told me, she looked at me, she said, you know what? Uh, they'd take, talking to me, said they'd take you to the first lamp post. When they got a good look at you, they'd just drop you and go on. She, she meant that funny, you know. But you know what? I, I worried myself sick. My wife will tell you. Now, when I said I worried, I just confessed I, I was doing what? Sinning. Is that right? But I worried. I worried about my mother until the day she moved in with us. I worried about somebody coming in at night and hurting her. Nobody ever did. Thank God. But the point is, I worried. I was fearful, fearful, worry, worry, fearful. I still have to. Look, I was raised in that atmosphere. And, and, it, and I'm 50 years old now, and, it's, and, and my wife, I still struggle with this. But did you know something? I'm not going to, and I don't mean about somebody breaking in at night. I've got all kinds of locks now, and alarms, 
And I got locks on the locks, brother. I'm going to tell you what. And <laughs> we've got this place locked up like Fort Knox. I'm telling you what. But uh, the only person I ever lock out of anything, somebody's getting a call. Okay, there it is. Who was that? Is that Curtis calling? If that's Curtis, tell him I said hi. Kurt, is it? Curtis, Curtis moved to Florida. Laurie's going to go eventually. Sad to say. Is that Curtis? Oh, don't talk to Curtis. But I got, I got locks on locks, man. I got locks on locks. I'm the only person I ever lock out of anything that I own. You, you need to understand. The other day, the heating went out in the children's church, and we had to have the guy come over and fix it. And, of course, I've got this security fence back here that goes around the heaters. I got locks on there, and the locks froze. And so he had to use a torch to get, to, get the lock. But the I was raised that was because I got locks, alarms, burglar alarms, every kind of thing you can imagine. So I don't struggle with that so much, but I still struggle. The phone rings. What happens when the phone rings? (gasps) But you know what, guys? If I'm ever going to be all that God wants me to be, I'm going to have to overcome that. Did you hear me? And I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I haven't got there yet, but I'm working on it. The Bible says, be fearful, be anxious, worry about what? Nothing. We're allowed to say nothing. nothing. Now look at Proverbs. Okay, it's enough on fear and worry. Best thing you can do on that is meditate the scriptures. But here's another one that keeps us. I want to talk about this. Proverbs 23, 21. Are you okay if I go on a little bit longer? We didn't have church last week. I try to preach about 30 minutes anymore, but I, I, I won't double it up completely, but... You've got to make up for lost time. I've learned that your brain can only absorb as much as your seat can endure. Proverbs 23, 21. Now, how many of you would agree with me that drunkenness is sin? Is that right? But notice who the drunkard is grouped with here. Proverbs 23, 21. For the drunkard and the... And the who? The glutton will come to poverty. Now, for years, I would, and I didn't do it on purpose, but I I did it. I would brag, and I didn't brag on purpose, but I'd be quick to tell you that that I've never been drunk a day in my life. That I don't drink, I don't drink, never have. And... But at the same time, I was bragging on that. I'd stand in front of you weighing about 240 pounds. At one point, that's what I got up to. Did you know gluttony is just as big a sin as being drunk? Now, I know you don't want me preaching on this right before you all go out to, to the restaurant. But this was keeping me from being all that I could be. And my wife will tell you that, see, I could not sit down and eat just one cookie. I could not sit down and just eat one piece of cake. There was something, and you know, we joke about it, but there was something that drove me. And I, I, and, and it didn't, one of the areas that manifests in the area of food but in, in all areas of my life, I had to deal with this. I couldn't, just taking one of something was never enough. I couldn't just have one piece of cake. I couldn't just have one cookie. When, I, when, I, when I'd sit down and look at, at the table, well, my wife will tell you there's times where she'd serve the plate out and she'd put the plate out. And, and, and before I even started eating, I was wondering if she had other food over on the stove so I could get at it. Did you hear me? And for years, I circled that mountain. And I circled that mountain. And I'd eat, 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 and I'd eat. I'd sneak stuff. My wife can smell chocolate on my breath at 100 yards. And, but I'd eat, and I'd eat. I'd sneak stuff. She knew I was sneaking it, I guess, but I'd go out in the kitchen when she was asleep or I learned how to cut the cake so hopefully she wouldn't see that I took another inch off of it. 
but it's sin and it was killing me. Did you know there's a lot of things that we call a disorder or a sickness, but it's really not, it's sin? Did you hear what I just said? I remember watching the Bad News Bears years ago. How many ever watched them? And Engelberg, the catcher, he, he, he was probably sixth grade and he was probably 100 pounds overweight. And he's sitting there eating a, a, a long john. He's got a whole dozen of them in his lap. He's eating one. And Buttermaker comes in. He was the coach. He comes in and he says, Engelberg, you're a little bit overweight as Engelberg is eating this big long john. And I'll never forget it. Engelberg looked at Buttermaker as he's eating this long john donut and says, it's a gland problem. No, it's a glutton problem. It's a sin problem. You remember on Jaws when they called in Hooper to diagnose why the girl had been, you know, how she died? And he said, this is not a boat accident. This is not a coral reef. It's not Jack the Ripper. It's a shark. And did you know there's a lot of things that we diagnose as a disorder. How many has ever watched Dr. Drew? And he'll diagnose everything as a disorder. Disorder this, disorder that, disorder the other. And I believe there are some disorders, and I believe there are some medical things. But you know what? Ultimately, a lot of the things... Do you know why those psychiatrists and those all the medicines and the different programs ultimately can't help so many people? Is because it's not a disorder. It's not a sickness. It is a sin. Real loud say sin... I'm convinced drunkenness is like gluttony. You may disagree with me, but I've seen enough drunkenness, you know, not necessarily a disorder. It's real loud, say sin. It's sin. And until you're ready to repent of the sin, you're going to keep going around that mountain. And so I got tired of being fat. I'm just going to tell you, I got tired of it. My, my, My cholesterol numbers came back. I got tired of it. And so I got tired of circling the mountain. I got tired of circling the Krispy Kreme. I got tired, how many's ever circled a Krispy Kreme? I got tired of going, th- I just got tired of being fat. And so I've lost, let's see, this morning when I got on the scale, I've come down from, highest I ever got was 240, I've come down, it was 172. Can anybody say glory to God? If you'd have seen me three months ago and see me now, I don't look like the same person. I feel better, everything's going better for me physically. Can you say Amen. So we could talk about that. Let me go on a couple of others. We could talk about gluttony. How about unforgiveness? Mark eleven twenty five. Let's go there. Did you know if you refuse to forgive somebody, that's a sin? Come on, guys. I said it's a sin. Mark eleven twenty five. Let's let's go there. I could talk about gluttony. I could talk about these other things, but go on and on. But let's try to speed this up a little bit. You all getting anything out of this? We're talking about things that's keeping us from being all that we can be. Look at Mark eleven twenty five. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, did that? Did Jesus say anything? Did he say anyone? Did he leave anything or anybody out? What did he say? Forgive him. Realize, say forgive him. Forgive him. Yeah, but I don't want to forgive Uncle Ed. Is Uncle Ed part of anyone? Yeah, but I don't want to forgive Aunt Gertrude. I don't want to forgive my brother. I don't want to forgive my sister. You don't know what they did to me. Guys, as long as you hold on to that, you're going to keep circling the mountain. I know I struggle with this. There's people in my life that there's some folks. You know, are there, is there anybody in your life that you love them, but you just don't like them too much? Is there anybody that's done you wrong? They just did you wrong? Is there anybody you just really don't want to forgive? Yeah, but until you do, you're never going to be all that you can be for God. It's going to hold you back. It's going to hinder you. And notice verse 26, if you don't forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive you. Does it hinder your prayers? Unforgiveness. We could go on and on. How about being judgmental? Matthew 7, 1. What did Jesus say? Judge once in a while? He said what? 
do what? Being judgmental. He said, judge not that you be not judged. These next couple right here, unforgiveness, judgmental. I can tell you right now, let's look at this next one. Talking badly about others. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Has anybody ever been judgmental or you've talked bad about somebody besides me? Now, guys, I want you to listen to me. I'm going to just go on a few more minutes here, but I want you to listen real close now. I've been pastoring now almost 20 years. And I can tell you the reason that Christians continue to circle the mountain. And they never go on with God and they never become all that God wants them to be. It's because they're judgmental and they talk bad about other people. That's it right there. I wonder if anybody in this room besides me has ever been judgmental or talked bad about somebody behind their back. Guys, I'm telling you, I'm going to go over this again. 20 years of pastoring, plus I've worked, worked with pastors in other churches before we started this church. I can tell you unequivocally the, the number one reason that Christians never become all that they can be for God. And the reason churches never listen to me. The reason churches never become all they can be for God is because you've got people, Christians, that they're saved, they love the Lord and all that, but they're judgmental and they talk bad about other people. Now, as long as you've got that going on, you're never going to be all that you can be for the Lord. You're going to be a hindrance to the body of Christ rather than a blessing. Did you hear what I just said? And if you get a whole bunch of people in the church doing that kind of stuff, it's going to keep the church from being all that it can be for the Lord. Did you hear what I just said? Is being judgmental, is that a sin? Yes. Now, I didn't say that we shouldn't examine something. That's not what we're talking. We're talking about being judgmental. You should, you, should, you should judge things from the standpoint of examining them as to whether or not they're of God. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being judgmental. Talking bad about others. Going out to lunch, talking bad about people. How many of you know that? Guys, that's, real I'd say that's sin. It seems innocent enough. But I'm telling you, that being judgmental, talking badly about others, is, in my opinion, the number one thing that keeps Christians from being all they can be and keeps churches from being all they can be because you got judgmental people. I'm talking about people who've been born again for years and they're... How many of you know that... How many of you remember that in the, in the wilderness, the Israelites, it took them 40 years to make a two-week trip? Why was that? Because they grumbled and they complained. Is that right? Judgment. Is that right? And, and the same thing's true today. I'm convinced I could be a whole lot further along in the things of God if I had dealt with some of these things years ago that I've decided to deal with when I'm 50. Isn't it better to deal with it 50 than never? And there's some folks in here, I just know by the Spirit of God, there's some folks in here, now listen, I'm not being rude or ugly, but you're judgmental. You're judgmental, you talk bad about people. I'm talking about people you've been born again for years and years and years. You're judgmental, you talk bad about folks. Yeah, pastor, I don't talk bad about anybody, I do it in email. How many of you know that's the same thing? <laughs> yeah, I don't email, but I text. How many of you know that's the same thing? Huh? Come on now, did I just hit your nail on the head? Guys, come on. I'm not, there was a day I'd have stood up here and I'd have beat the pulpit and said, look, I'm done with that. 
But what I'm telling you, guys, I want you to be all you can, doggone it. I want you to be all you can be for God. Amen? I want this church to be all it can be. But we've got to stop being judgmental and talking badly about, can you say hallelujah, praise the Lord? Yeah. Let's be sweet. Right? Stay sweet. You okay? No judgmental. No talk bad about people. Be kind, tender-hearted. Come on, let's let's all do this. I'm not saying everybody's done this, but a lot of people do. Hey, let's close with this. Let's close with this. Go to Ephesians 5.25. Let's talk about husbands and wives. Give me a few more minutes. The Lord, I, I would quit right here, but the Lord wants me to get this in. Today, I don't know, he may have me review it again next week, but the Lord wants me to get this in today. Now, I would stop right here if it was me. It's time to go, but the Lord wants this in. Are you okay? How many of you really want what the Lord wants? We're going to read here why so many marriages are on the rocks. Did you know that? I don't want to sound defeatist, but I've seen a lot of Christian marriages over the years. And, and, and I would say that of all of them that I've seen, there's just a handful of them that are all they can be for the Lord. Most of them aren't. Ephesians 5.25, husbands, what are you supposed to do, husbands? How are you supposed to love her? As, 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 as who? As Christ loved who? The church and did what? Gave himself for so if husbands aren't loving their wives, are they sinning? Huh? Are they? Yeah. And do you know why? Now we'll pick on the other side in a minute, but you better listen here. I've been doing this a long time. I I think I know what I'm talking about here. Do you know one of the main reasons that husbands don't love their wives? is because their wives haven't been the kind of person that their husband would want to love. I'm giving you 30 years of experience and you can read all the books you want to read. There's some reason the Lord wants me to share this today. I, I, I don't know why he wants us in today. We'll probably review it next week, briefly. You can read all the books, go to all the marriage seminars you want. Most Christian marriages that I've dealt with, and I've dealt with a bunch of them, my wife and I over the years, most of them are not what God wants them to be. Some of them are, most of them aren't. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, if you're not loving your wives, is that sin? Yeah, you have to love her the way Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So that's what the husband has to do. If the husband's not loving the wife, is it sin? You know, why doesn't the husband love the wife? The main reason is, is the wife has not been a person that the husband would really even want to love. Now let's go pick on the other side. Ephesians 5.22. Go up a couple of verses. Wives... Now we're talking to wives. The Lord's talking to you. What's that next word? Huh? Boy, that's hard for wives to say. It's like Fonzie when he had to say he was sorry. Remember that? I'm couldn't get it. How many even know who Fonzie is? You know, wives. They go. They can't get it out. Submit does not mean that you're a doormat. Say amen. Just means you yield. Submit really means yield. Wives, yield. Submit to your husbands as to who? Do you know why most wives? Now you read all the books you want. I'll save you hours of reading. Here it is. Do you know why wives don't submit to their husband? Number one reason. It's because husbands are not someone that the wives would want to submit to. They're not giving their wife anything to submit to. How many of you know 
and I've learned this, a Christian woman, a real true woman of God, once, now there are exceptions because some people are just not called to be married, but the one, most of them are. Most of us are called to be married. There's, a, you know, some people, but, but I'm talking about a woman that, that is married. She wants her husband to be the head and lead. And a woman cannot submit very well to a wet noodle. I'm talking a wimp. I'm talking a skirt whipped. Huh? Let's get right down and talk about it. Huh? Boy, y'all got real quiet. I'll tell you about my wife and I. When I, know, I know I've gone a little long. I'm giving you double today. You didn't get in on it last week. Next week, I'll go back to 30 minutes. When my wife and I got married, she had to be, because of the deal she was in, the marriage she was in before, it wasn't her fault. She had to be the leader. She had to do things. She had, is that right? She had to be. And when we first got married, we were having some issues, some problems. And one day I, I said, Diana, look, I'm the head of, head of the marriage. I love you. But I have to be the leader. And you know, once I took that stand, she was more at peace and felt safer and everything went better for us. Can you say amen? amen. Fellas, listen to me. Have a vision for your family. Have a vision for your... Boy, I feel the anointing of the Spirit of God. Men, have a vision for your family. Have some place where you're taking them. When your wife asks you, where are we going as a family, if you as a man sit there and go... And then you're upset that she's not submitted to you, you haven't given her anything to submit to. Boy, then that's not me. That's the Lord on the inside. Bold. When the husband, when the wife says, where, what are we doing as a family? You know, I don't mean where you're, you going to the park or you going to a movie. I'm talking about as a, as a vision for the family. It's like if you ask me, what's the vision for the church? If I stood up and well, would you want to follow me anywhere? Much less across the street? No. We gotta be going somewhere. Is that right? And if you as a man, they, they say, well, where are we gonna be and where do you want to go for two years, three years, four years, five years? Well, no, who, how is she going to submit to that? Did you hear me? On the other side of the coin, woman, lady, wife, if when your husband come home, when he comes through the door, you go, how is he going to love that? Who's going to love a nagging? This isn't in my notes. This is the Lord wanting me to get this across. Am I right? So lady, you gotta be somebody that he wants to love. And man, you gotta be somebody that he wants to submit to. And the Bible says that if you're not, you can look it up in 1 Peter 3, 7, says that if you don't do that, your prayers are gonna be what? Hindered. Realize, say hindered. If we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear. I told you enough right there to fix your marriage if your marriage is on the rocks. Did you hear what I just said? Now I get a little animated still. I'm trying to not be quite as animated, but when the Lord comes on me like that, some, I don't know what's going to happen. But are you okay? Did you get anything out of this? Stand with me if you would, would before I preach on longer. I'm sorry for going 30 minutes long. No, I'm not. Lord wanted that last part in. Did you get anything out of this today? Praise God. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Praise God. Hallelujah. Bow your heads as you stand there. Here, here's, here's, what, here's what we need to do. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to make him the Savior of your life. You need to repent of your sins and ask him into your heart before you leave here today. There'll be some men and women standing up here. When we dismiss, you walk up to the front and say, Hey, I want to know Jesus. Introduce me to him. And they'll do it. You'll miss hell, make heaven. It'll be good. But here's the, here's the other thing. If you're already saved, if you already know Jesus...